When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hola. Bonjour. Ni hao. Moi. Guten tag. Privet. Bula. Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> Welcome to a very, very, very special bonus episode of the Normal Not Normal podcast with me, Oliver Phelps. And me, James Phelps. And yes, we are still on our break, our summer holidays as it were right now, but we had the chance to talk to some very, very special people and we thought we'd share this episode with you right away. I mean, some may say this is a bit of a bad habit of ours. Do you like what I did there? Mm. So today's guests, the first one is a multi-award winning singer, songwriter. He broke all the records for people coming to see his last tour. It is Ed Sheeran and his brilliant manager, Stuart Camp. Now, there's a very special reason that we asked Ed and his manager, Stuart, to join us on this episode. And you'll find that out later on. You will indeed. So as, as James said, we thought we'd take a break from our break. Yeah, that's right. It's a bit confusing. But James, very, very quickly, what have you been up to so far? Yeah, it's been going really well. Um, So I think when I last signed off the last season, I was just about to do a paddleboard challenge 30 miles down a canal in England for the Movember charity. Um, And it went really well. I had such a great time doing it. I actually grew a moustache for it, which looked very spiffing. As soon as I got home, the wife made me get rid of it. But it was a lot of fun doing that. And apart from that, I've just been having a great time at home, chilling with my dog. And do you know what? I've really enjoyed seeing everybody with their Normal Not Normal merchandise. Thank you very much for making that fly off the shelves. It's been going really well. So thank you very much for everyone who supported the podcast. What have you been up to, Oliver? Well, what I have been doing is being able to do a bit of charity work, actually, which has been very, very fun with the uh, Duke of Edinburgh Awards, with also the Aston Villa Foundation. So this weekend, when this episode goes out i'm actually abseiling from the roof of the stadium which should be very good fun to do that as well as also i played golf with a chap ramish uh, the other week who was playing get this 20 rounds of golf in four in five days so four rounds of golf a day Ooh. and it was it was inc- like it was it was hard work like he was saying he was the equivalent of walking 25 miles a day 18 stories and obviously you got the mental side of it as well to playing golf for that long uh, but amazing work that he was doing, raising a lot of money for a lot of great causes, including a charity that you and I are ambassador for, Help Harry Help Others. So it was really great to be able to go along and show some support. Before we get to Ed and Stuart, we wanted to thank our sponsors for this episode, HelloFresh. Now, HelloFresh is offering normal, not normal listeners and viewers up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. Now, you've probably already heard of HelloFresh. They deliver fresh, pre-measured ingredients and seasonal recipes right to your door. Now, we've been using HelloFresh for quite a while now, and I have to say, we love it. You can pretend to be an amazing cook. In fact, just last night, I cooked my wife a sticky pistachio-crusted salmon meal. 
She has no idea that I had no idea what I was doing until I was following the very simple pictures and instructions that they provide. Exactly. So the way it works basically, guys, is a big box will arrive to your door with your predetermined Hello Fresh meals. You will then select a bag. It sounds like a game show, doesn't it? You will then select a bag which has all the pre-measured ingredients already in it. Follow the very simple instructions on there, as James did with that, or like I did last night, making duck tacos with plum sauce, with sesame wedges, cucumber and pickled radishes, of course. Um, and then you literally just serve it up and claim all the credit for yourself. That's right. Eating healthier has never been easier with low-calorie, carb-smart, vegetarian and pescatarian options every week. And no matter what you choose, every single recipe is packed with fresh produce sourced directly from farmers. HelloFresh have already donated over 4 million meals to charity in 2020 and are now they're stepping up their food donations in local communities amid the food insecurity caused by the local pandemics. And I've got a did you know fact. So did you know HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit? We do now. Anyway, go to HelloFresh.com slash normal14. That's HelloFresh.com slash normal one Four, and use the code NORMAL14, that's N-O-R-M-A-L-1-4, for up to 14 free meals plus free shipping. Now, back to the show. Ed has had a bit of a rest at the last couple of years since his daughter Lyra was born, and now he's back with a new single and tour, and we are honoured to be the first podcast recording since his return to work. Yeah, and he was actually saying to us it's this first... English interview in a long, long time. So that was a lot of fun to hear as well. Now, I remember seeing Ed in a gig in Birmingham a few years ago now, and I'd never seen him before. I liked his stuff on the radio, and so I went to see him in concert, and I was just blown away by what a great stage show it is. And 8 million people saw his last tour, his Divide tour, so I know many people will know what I'm on about. But I was expecting to see a band, but there's no band. It's just Ed on his own making all the music himself. It's absolutely fantastic. If you ever get the chance to see him, I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. It is an amazing show. And what's great, you know when you think someone's going to be really nice and really cool, and they are. That's what I loved about this chat with Ed, so I really hope you guys get to enjoy it too. Well, without further ado, let's crack on. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Ed Sheeran and Stuart Camp. Oli and James, how long have you done this podcast for? The true story was we had a, a message from Johanna Conto, who's a mate of ours. She was saying she was doing a podcast. Could she interview us? To which Oliver then said, oh, yeah, could you come on ours? And she said, oh, have you got one? I was like, well, yeah, we do now. So, <laughs> well, mate, I'm so excited to be uh, on it. I actually, like I, I was saying earlier before we started um, recording, I just, I haven't really done that many podcasts ever. Podcasts are kind of like a new thing and I haven't really done interviews for a long time and it feels like they've come through in the time that I wasn't doing interviews. But we've got to get to the first pressing question and the reason why we were so happy to ask you guys to come on here. What do Fred and George Weasley have to do with a management contract? Uh, you should start that one, Edward. Do, do you want to explain? <laughs> no, no, no. no I, think, I, think come, I, think, I think your version of events should come from you first and then a dose of reality okay. and a bit of... <laughs> so, so, so I am a lifetime huge Harry Potter fan. Uh, and, you know, it was the generation that I grew up in. I think I, I, I actually remember my brother getting the Philosopher's Stone 
when it came out. It won some prize, but it was the one with Dumbledore on the back when he hasn't got the white beard when he's young. With the, I remember, I remember that very clearly, and not wanting to read it um, because, like, I did. I was like six at the time, and books just didn't interest it, interest me. My brother got so obsessed with it that I got jealous of him, and then read it, and then just got it, it sort of drawn into this world and. I mean, you know yourself, we're kind of a similar age, like the, the, every year the books would come out, you'd queue up and kind of do that. So I'm a massive Harry Potter fan. I love the films. Uh, Stuart is not my generation and just it's a bit hard. does not <laughs> understand. And I would watch the films all the time. We'd go on like long haul flights, international promo. I, I've just literally been to Los Angeles now for international promo and watched the uh, two Deathly Hallows on that flight. It's kind of like a comfort film for me like all of the um harry potter films and Stuart would always just kind of like put the films down and just say they're a bunch of shit. um so <laughs> so, when, so when we came when we came to uh signing our management contracts again the last management contract i put in there that uh if he didn't sit next to me on every single flight and look happy about it. The, can- the contract was null and void. Um, <laughs> so in this next one, I was thinking of different ones um, to put in. And I was like, because he d- didn't like the Harry Potter films, I was like, you have to have a picture of Fred and George Weasley in your wallet at all times. And when you do a photo shoot for a magazine, you have to hold it up. <laughs> He's got it right there. There's my wallet. There's the picture. Ed made this for me. There's, there's several of them in my a, office. It's just a generational thing. I mean, Stuart's like... Yeah, I mean, you're like Star Wars. I was Star Wars and Runner, Lord of the like... Rings. And I think that was my, my, my first experience with Harry Potter. I went to a midnight screening of the very first film with an, with an old girlfriend's brother, who is a massive fan. And there was just lots of men older than me dressed up as wizards. And I must have been <laughs> 30 then. And, I, and I'm not against that, but it was, it was just, I just found it a bit peculiar. And I think you just went off at a different tangent on Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. And I just went down that road because I'd read those books when I was... God, a lot younger. Yeah, but it would have been the same. It would have been like Lord of the Rings was probably as important to you as Harry Potter would be. In oh, completely. To, I mean, there's, there's me smaller or books, but, um, or fewer books. But it was certainly that that sort of thing at that age that you, you, you imprint on, really. And you and that that's that's the way it goes. And I remember that's one of the first times me and Edward almost fell out when he told me that he preferred Harry Potter to Lord of the Rings. I thought you mad. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey. There, there, don't, I'm going to... I did. I did the music for the Hobbit, so I'll, I'm going to get lots of Tolkien fans being like, "How do?" But okay, they're just yeah. they're two they're two different things. They're two different things. Hundred percent. For me, they're two different for me things. Harry Potter was for a long time the first and only book that I'd read. Like I didn't I didn't read any apart from those in the Philip Pullman books. I didn't really read any books until my uh, honeymoon, and then I remember sort of being like, "Oh, books can be relaxing, and you can sort of like chill out and and uh, read a book." But yeah, so. Uh, but so tell me, guys, how did you find out about the management contract? I remember. I think it, it was a tweet or something like that. Someone did an interview yeah. with the video and you commented on it. Yeah so, yeah, so we saw a video and it was it was almost like in a... Um, it was a print. Did you set up a printer or something? No, it's not a printer. That, that's in, this is a shame that we're not, because obviously COVID, we're not actually in my proper office. My office and it was Edward's old house. And at the moment, it's, he went in and they built this thing and it's not a printer. You'd press a button and like a, just comes a 30, up 20 yeah, of YouTube yeah. just rises, but so painfully slowly, like literally like this from, from behind my desk. Basically, we like, half, half, I would say half of my career is done to annoy Stuart. Like that is yeah. like my kind of, my whole, my whole existence. Half of it's very, very serious and, um, you know, mu- music focused. And then like the other half is just to piss off Stuart. 
basically. No, I I love I I love that obviously because we were involved in it, but just that kind of thing anyway. Because on the last, so the last two, the Deathly Hallows one and two, it was all one contract, and my agent at the time was saying, "Would well, you want any any little T's and C's put in?" I said, "Like like what?" I said, "Well, so, you know, some people might ask like their chair be on set when they're at the studio." I was like, "Oh, no, I'm not like, but." How about, so in my actual Harry Potter contract, I've got, I must have a stash of Bovril in my trailer. <laughs> nice. We have a thing called a rider, which is like when you play a show, it's what the promoter has to put in your dressing room. And for, for, for many years, it was, wasn't it a can of tuna, tuna cucumber sandwiches and a can of Stella for my manager? Wasn't it that, Edward? I yeah, and, uh, and a pack of Flaming Hot Monster Munch. And like for years, I mean, I, I remember doing like the O2 and that being my rider. It was just like <laughs> tuna cucumber and Flaming Hot Monster Munch. And I, I think, yeah, the combo can't, can't be beaten. The thing is, riders, people... So do you know the, uh, the kind of age-old rumour of like Madonna or, or just wanting pink... Or blue M and M's. Yes. So the reason that that's in the rider um, is not because she wants blue M and M's. It's to make sure that they know that the rider has been taken care of. So they put a really random request in there. So when they walk in the dressing room and see just blue M and M's, they go, "If they're this on it, everything else will be sorted." Whereas, like, mm. you could walk into a dressing room and be like, "I don't know what what could be there." So I think. Uh, yeah, I think rider, riders can be quite ridiculous. There was a time where I was putting a, a DVD. I put on my rider, I said, uh, pick your favourite film and then get me that on, on DVD. But I ended up getting like five notebook DVDs. And I was like, okay, we'll probably like give this, give this a rest now. But um, we do a lot of weird things. Yeah. I mean, the last weird thing I can think of is I had my, <laughs> I had my 28th birthday at a Pizza Hut. Because I wanted to recreate, you know, like those little Pizza Hut yeah. birthdays you had when yeah, you were yeah. like six or seven with the ice cream machines. We were in like Bella Horizonte or like it was in, in Brazil. And I had no idea what I wanted to do for my birthday. And I was just like, let's let's rent out at Pizza Hut. It's really great. <laughs> Colin the Caterpillar Cake comes into that as well. That is something. Stuart has to supply me a Colin the Caterpillar Cake on my birthday, wherever we are in the world. And I... And I did, I did manage it this year, even though I wasn't with you. But when we did that party in Brazil, they bless them, they had all these chefs in. They're like, we'll make you the most amazing birthday. They'd never heard of Colin the Caterpillar. So it was me <laughs> trying to Google it, going, just do that. And they were just like so disappointed. They're like, but no, we want to make him an amazing birthday. I was like, no, please, just do the crap caterpillar. <laughs> but that's always the one that I sort of remember the day before. And you're just like, <laughs> where is he? And he was like, how can I get a caterpillar cake? I think this year, my wife made him one, which was a good result. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was more... I think it was more Sid the Slug than Colin the Caterpillar, but it was still great. <laughs> she improvised a bit too much, perhaps. Let's take a step back then. So obviously, like, you guys' working relationship seems very relaxed and very, like, you know, jovial with each other and stuff like that. Is it, can you tell us, like, how, first of all, you guys met and then, obviously, going into working together as well? I was with a, another manager from the age of, like, 15, 16, and... Uh, that gave me the opportunity to sort of like move to London and start gigging around and uh, writing songs and stuff. But I just don't think it kind of clicked. I think, I, you know, it, we were both, me and the, the other manager, both sort of young and I didn't really know exactly what direction I was heading in. I don't think he knew exactly what direction he wanted me to head in. So we sort of parted ways amicably. And then I just sort of gigged around, gigged around, gigged around. And I started finding my thing as it were and then I got uh taken on tour with a guy called Just Jack um and Stuart was managing Just Jack at the time and I remember being backstage at Leeds 
Leeds and um, this girl was like, oh, I'm like really good mates with Paolo Nutini. And I was like, oh, I really like Paolo Nutini. And then she was like, oh, this is my husband, by the way. And then I just met Stu, who also happens to know Paolo Nutini. So I was instantly like, hello. Hmm. Um, and <laughs> before he started managing me, I just moved in at their house. And I just... I just <laughs> we went to the pub like, one day and then he never left. <laughs> yeah, literally, we went out, we went out, we had like maybe like six or seven pints and he was like, oh, if you want to crash at mine. And I sort of took that as a forever. forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Edward, Edward sort of moved in and never really left. And we moved house several times and he still managed to find us. Dude, they moved, they moved house and like bought this place that they were like, oh, this, we finally got away from Ed. And upstairs was for sale. So I, I bought that. <laughs> But they like moved and then I got the place opposite um, and then they moved again and I got the place upstairs. And he was never more than, never more than 20 metres away for at least the first six years. It was, it was quite a wrench when, when he actually bought a house that wasn't even in the same street. You're like, oh, that's a bit well, they moved too far outside of London and I was like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to live that far outside of London. But um, but yeah, I, but then, you know, Stu, I think if you live more central, I would definitely try and find somewhere well that's near. a shame I can't afford to live central thank you very much so <laughs> twick and it'll be but I'm, I'm near the airport I don't understand why people don't want to stay too much I just have a collection of scary dogs now so people don't come around so often <laughs> so are you ever off the clock then Stu if, if Ed lived so close well, no but that doesn't really make any difference anyway I mean yeah it was always I mean also we see each other socially and we get on very well but it's all, you're always on always on the clock anyway being a, a manager you are you just it's, it's a 24/7 job but like I would go around there for I mean I stayed with uh Lib and Stew for the two weeks prior to my daughter being born kind of thing mm. like and that was like totally nothing to do with work it was yeah, just, like great. Stu's Stew and Lib were like the godparents to my like it's the yeah it's not re. It's work, but it's not work. So sometimes, and, and, and also the only holidays I've had in pretty much my entire adult life have been with Ed. You know, on, as well as touring, it's like let's go on a holiday. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so we did. I took him to uh, Antarctica. Yeah, gosh. So, so you guys then, I, I suppose, especially like obviously working together, living together for a bit, going on holiday to Antarctica and stuff like that. There must be some things what annoy you with the other person I mean I'm speaking of experience with my brother maybe that's a sibling thing but we uh, we, li- we lived together for a bit and then realised it may not have been the most constructive uh, <laughs> constructive time to live with each other I can I can hold my hands up and safely say there is nothing about Stuart that annoys me but oh, that's very sweet there is a lot that annoys <laughs> Stuart about me <laughs> a lot but now but now that you've said that I'm having difficulty thinking of it There'll be things, uh, but I can't think what it is. It's, you know, it's not even the annoying things. There's things, there's things that you learn, and I love Edward like a, a brother and a son at the same time, which is an interesting one. But there's 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 things you learn about how how to how to how to be able how to get things done, and that's not an annoyance thing. You just like if if he's being stubborn about something, you just set little traps and make it, make him think it's his own idea, and he does, and it's great. And there's things like that, which isn't an annoyance, but you just just like little quirks that are like. I think mean, you just be normal, but then you just think, well, no, well, if I just do that, or if, or if someone else well, does it, you, yeah, you, know, no. you just get, I'll know there's things that I'll want to happen. The annoying and I know that is, it'll never happen, so I'll just ring up someone else going, put, put this idea in his head. On each, <laughs> on, each, on each album, like the last, 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 last session has always brought out the like hit single. And Stuart's just been nudging for months, just being like, but like really subtly. <laughs> And what is annoying is I just did one more session and this amazing song, which is the next single, has come from it. And I, when I wrote it, I was like, oh, for f- sake, this is going to be me forever now. Every time I'm finishing an album, it's just going to be nudge, 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 nudge. It does work. 
It does work. It's motivation. Is that almost? Is that now almost the thing where you know that there's no pressure? Obviously, you want every song to be the best it can possibly be. But now, has it got to the stage where you think, I know the best ones, not necessarily the best one, but you know, like the the, the first thing is going to come last. I think you just relax more and try. You try different things. So, like my my song "Bad Habits" basically came from that of just being like. Oh, I'll try something different sonically because I know my album's done. So I'll just like try and push the boat out a little bit. And it it, it usually works. I mean, it, it worked with Shape of You as well because that was never, the album was sort of done, handed in, being mixed and, and everything. And then that song kind of came out of nowhere. Just sticking with that with when you're making new music and all that kind of stuff. So is, do you get nervous when fans listen to it for the first time? Or is it more when you give it to people like Stuart or your family who I guess these songs are written about or they'll know the situations that contributed to it. Does that ever come into it with you? I never used to really get nervous about releasing music. There's a sort of like quiet confidence of coming from like the age of 19 and having everything that I release kind of do well. So I never really got nervous about releasing. I, I, ju- I was just excited to share the music, but I've been gone for so long now that I am super nervous about it. I mean, it's like I'm a completely different person to who I was when Divide came out and I've released a project in between Divide and now that I didn't like heavily promote so I didn't really do interviews or gauge whether people actually like loved it because because I think when you've got an album out and you do interviews you can kind of gauge what people think of your stuff um so yeah I'm very very nervous now but I think that's a good thing I think I'm excited to press the button that starts everything up again and I'm really enjoying getting out and and doing interviews what were both of you like as kids like what was your normal Sundays Sundays well I'm at that age where we went outside and um just rode bikes (laughs) and um but no Sundays for me that was definitely it was it was watching football and then just riding bikes with mates yeah it was only sort of later I got into all the geeky stuff like you know computers and films and everything that was that was much later teens but as, as, as a young kid I mean, I'd get up. I, I've never slept. I've always been one of those people who'll go to bed at like nine o'clock and get up at midnight or whatever. I've always been, and I, I as a child, and it must have driven my mum insane. I'd get up at like four o'clock in the morning and just go riding my bike over the fields for miles and miles and miles. And then I'd come back going, what's all the fuss about? And half the village is out looking for me. <laughs> so I used to do that quite a lot. That was my little party trick. So no, it was, it was, it was quite, quite, quite an outgoing sort of outdoorsy as a kid, which I'm now making up for as an adult, where I've, I've really enjoyed lockdown and not leaving my house and looking at a computer all day. Yeah. <laughs> and and did, you, did you always think then, growing up, that you wanted to be in, like, not necessarily the music industry, but the entertainment Oh, space? no, definitely music, 100%. But, Stu, tell him what, what your first job was, though. My first job, well, my first job, technically, was working in the chicken factory, which was, which was really unpleasant. But it's such a, like, different start to finish. Yeah, so well, that's, that was really, the summer really job when I was, when I was, I, I grew up in Bristol Evans, actually not far from where Ed did. Um, and it was just the 15 years old, just having this Saturday job. And I swear to God, my, I went home, my stepmother put, cooked chicken for that night. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I can't eat chicken for at least six months after working in, in that place. But then, yeah, so I always wanted to work in music. I went to university purely just to get in. I went to Leeds because I wanted to go because I knew there was a good music scene. And I, that's how I got a job. I started hanging out with bands. And I spent my formative like 15, 20 years working at record labels before I switched to management. So it was... It was never going to be anything else for me. Which is mm. great because when I'm signed to the same record label that Stuart used to work for, so Stuart kind of knows when they're bullshitting and can just be like, well, no, because I know that you I, can do I it made like up it. most of the lies you're now telling me, so don't, don't, don't try <laughs> it. <Yeah. as> the <laughs> <lie>. <laughs> 
and for you as well, Ed. How, what was a, what was a normal Sunday for you? Do you know what? Since 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 being married, like I've been introduced to like the regular Sunday roast. We never had Sunday roast as a kid. We had tomato soup and the Hovis, and that right. was that was like your son. So that was my Sunday tradition. Um, and then I was outdoorsy, but uh, like. I didn't really have like a hell of a lot of friends until I got to high school. So like I was more like music. I would listen to music a lot. I'd sit and write. I had like a CD. No, it was a tape player. And then it was a CD player. Um, and I would just put on music and just like obsessively learn it. And then when I picked up guitar, I'd obsessively learn that. So um, yeah, in the same sense of like kids now being glued to like video. Ga- I was never allowed video games as a kid. Uh, so in the sense now that they're glued to video games, I was glued to cds tapes and um guitar basically it's worked out all right for you yeah yeah it's definitely but would you so would you i know you only mentioned earlier Stuart, that you see ed as like a a brother slash son mm. type thing. we are we are from suffolk so that is like oh, so there may be a, maybe a possibility <laughs> <laughs> you said that not me no, no, yeah. <laughs> is, so would, would you say then that when you guys certainly started working together would you say there was almost like a guardianship yeah sense uh, absolutely of, like, in your thought process i mean ed was I, ed was only just about to turn 18 when i first met him and you know this, this scruffy little lad who, with his backpack, who was just sleeping wherever he could, and off, you know, and it was just there. There was, and certainly, you know, my wife really took him in, and that was it. She was, she was bed, you know, in the bed feeding him. So it's definitely that duty of care, which you have to have as a manager anyway. But they, I think it's it was um, there was more of it because it, it it became instantly personal. Usually, if in this job, you, your relationship is is definitely always professional first, but this one was personal first to a certain degree as well. So that, that's always why it's so all-encompassing really so yeah 100% and there's a kind of I think a protective element from it because the music and as you guys know with the film industry I mean like just any any industry is pretty at the end of the day if you're like young because it's 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 a business like it's the film Mm. business the music business and businesses are cutthroat and can be very sort of damaging I think and I think there's so many people who have been in my position that have not had kind of like I've I've found it really challenging and tough at times and I've I've got people like Stuart in my life and my parents are like really sound and my wife's really sound so like I think it's in, important to have really solid people around you who are looking after your best in, in, interests like I've never ever felt that Stuart would ever rip me off because I know what Stuart's hobbies are and they're not going really, on super yachts. <laughs> like, 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 honestly, if Stuart, like, you know, you hear these stories of managers, like, taking, like, 100% of P- uh, the artist's yeah. money and, and stuff like that. Like, if Stuart's doing that, God knows where it is. <laughs> <laughs> or what, what he's spending it on. Because Stuart is just into video games, football, and dogs. And that's kind of it. And, uh, oh, actually, speaking of annoying things that I, I sent him, uh, I sent him like a 10 foot Boba Fett statue for, for his birthday, <laughs> which, could, which, you know, is good, but he just d- didn't know where to put it. So he's just got this f-ing massive it statue. It turned up on the hottest day in the year. Well, Stu, Stu, I'm just saying your birthday is in 14 days. <laughs> and it came in about 100 boxes. It was like the biggest airfix kit you've ever seen in your life. And luckily, I just rang my brother-in-law and said, bring your nephew around, I've got Boba Fett. And I just sat there and watched them make it. So it was a result in the end. But You have got another one coming in 14 days, by the way. There's nowhere to put it. <laughs> what was it like when people started recognising you and taking on your songs as theirs? How did that feel for the first time? Um, well, I started getting recognised really early on because I am bright, bright ginger hair and I play a tiny guitar and I look. I my kind of image was 
I mean, you lads, actually, you're not ginger, are you? You're ginger for the film. No, they would dye. It's like every every three weeks would be like dye the hair, bleach the eyebrows. But I always remember once they did a thing in the Metro where they were talking about ginger people. Like um, there's like some article about it, but they used a picture of James and me on the picture. I was like, of all the people to use, you use people who dye their hair that colour, you know. But it was... Um, <laughs> but yeah, I you never I, went through what we went no, through. No, I know, yeah. Well, actually, when I t- t- tell a lie, we did, we did rock up at school one day and everyone was like, why, are you, why is your hair colour that? <laughs> like, it literally went from, like, day over, overnight we turned into it. And, but it was... Um, I don't know, it never really made any difference to us when we were going, I suppose, because we were, you know, it just... But it did make you stand out in a crowd. I think that's definitely a... Uh, definitely one thing yeah but yeah no for, for me for me I uh uh as, was just so grateful about I mean I remember actually having an argument with a uh a fellow singer songwriter who was quite successful and you know it like still is he still does his thing but he he uh was so against having teenage girls at his show he was just like oh they just come and stand in the front row and they scream and it's just f-ing annoying and I was like but but they like your music, man. Yeah. Like, they like, like. Is that not? Is that not why we're doing this? Like, yeah. is do we do we have like a, a list of people that are allowed to come to our gigs? And let me tell you something about cool people coming to your gigs. They're f-ing boring. I was in the I was in the cool set for maybe like three months. You know, enemy liked me for about three months, and uh, I st- I had like really like cool pose of people come to the gigs. No one clapped. No one sung. They were all just too f-ing cool for school. They didn't dance anything. As soon as I started getting uh, uh, any sort of fan base that was young, it, the gigs just got way better and they, it was just exciting. So I think for me, uh, when people started recognising me, I was just so grateful that people liked my music. It was like, I was so surprised that you could get paid to play music because everyone had always said, get a real job, get a proper job. So when I started getting I mean, even if it was like a minimal amount, maybe it was like 20 quid a week or something. It was still like, wow, I'm getting paid to play music. So I think when people started recognizing me, I was just super thrilled that they were. Was it that you'll say if you can do a job that you love, you're not, you never work a day in your life? Yeah, until until you start. What happened when I finished the Divide Tour is I was sort of on in my mind like, oh, I should probably stop playing music for a bit because I've done it every day and it's blah, blah, blah. And then you stop doing the thing you love and you're like well what am i like who 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 am i like if you don't play music what is your sort of purpose and i mm-hmm. think habit becoming a father was a like a big uh it sort of <laughs> filled a filled a massive gap that that was there because I've, my jo- job sort of turned no my hobby turned into my job and then sometimes you want to take days off your job but then if you're taking days off <laughs> what do you do because yeah. you can't do your hobby does that make sense yeah, yeah. yeah no exactly but I, I mean talk, talking about the divide tour I noticed that when you were playing you'd always seem to be able to wear the local team sports jersey did that sow a seed for you to want to be the jersey sponsor for Ipswich Town no for me uh, the, actually the thing that sowed the seed originally is the my first football team that I played for uh, Framlingham Town FC um, who are like the local team um, they contacted Stuart and said, we've got a sponsor for all the teams apart from the under 11 girls. Can you sponsor the under 11 girls? So I did. And then from there, I was like, I don't want to like step on anyone's toes here, but like the sp- shirt sponsorship for Ipswich was a bit sh- it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a gambling thing. It was called Magical Vegas as an Ipswich fan. It didn't look great. 
It didn't look great. I don't think any any football fan wants a big gambling company on their shirt no. sponsor, do they? Not not at all. And like to, to to be honest, Magical Vegas gave their last year of sponsorship to a charity, the Carers Trust. And it's 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 all good. But anyway, at the time of the sponsorship conversations, the shirt looked a bit. Sh- and we had divides put on the shirt, and it, in my opinion, looked fucking awesome. Um, and it was when I was just sponsoring the Framlingham Town Football Club, the girls under 11s. And I just said to Stuart, I was like, "Can you reach out to Rosie from uh, Ipswich and see what their what their deal is um, and whether they need a new sponsor?" And it turned out they did. Uh, we got the contract through. It like it wasn't like out of the realms of possibility, and it felt good. Uh, putting back into a club that I loved uh, and also like you get like quite funny stuff I think they gave like a hundred they give you like 170 signed footballs for your company and you can have like a com- a company barbecue and game on the pitch and stuff like that oh but yeah. I can I can be the mascot for uh, any game I want <laughs> so I can just go and dress up as a <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which I would do you have to do it yeah you have to do it it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We're two of the like tens of millions of people that have seen you perform, Ed, and every time. Oh, wait, what what gig did you come to? I came to the not the Divital, the one before that in Birmingham. Oh wow, it was unreal! Sick. Like the the I I I didn't know that you didn't play with a band first of all, which I was blown away by how you just went about that. And if you haven't seen Ed see him live, he's amazing. I'm not just saying this because you're here. It's interesting you're saying that because we we're going through a thing of being like, do we get a band? Don't we get a band? And uh, the I think the resounding answer is keep it the way it was, I think. Yeah, well, I, I guess it's because you just you just expect, I, I just assume that you would be with a band. And when I thought the roadies were just doing a really lazy job and not bringing anything <laughs> out, and then, like, then, <laughs> then you did. But obviously that you've been able to tour pretty much every major stadium around the world. And Stu, I guess you've been to everyone as well with Ed. He always misses Australia for some like mad, like he's he had to get his eye like... I had a detached retina in my eye last time, so I had to get an emergency fly home from Australia. <laughs> Apart from that, I'm at every show. Well, so on all the shows you've done, what would be one of the highlights for you? Two stick out in my mind. One was uh, uh, playing the Nashville Ryman. It's a famous American venue, but the people that go there are all, it's, you know, it's the home of country music. It's Nashville, yeah. yeah. So the people that go there are all like country musicians and their kids are country musicians. So the whole crowd sings in like five part harmony for the whole, and they're they're spot on. And when you go, like I literally, I did half the gig unplugged. It's like a 2000 capacity theater. And I just unplugged my guitar, stood at the front of the stage and sung without any amplification and you could hear a pin drop. So that for me was the first time I'd played somewhere where it was like, they appreciate, they, they came to the show to come to the show, but they appreciated the musicality of it. And um, mm. I really liked that. But then also I think walking on stage at Wembley stadium for the first time, I'd, I'd say it's, you know, the, the, the best stadium in the world, in, in my opinion, but it's the home of English football. It's where like not many artists get to play 
Mm-hmm. You, there's probably like five or six bands and artists now that could like put it on and 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 sell it out. And I never ever assumed that I would be one of them. And bit, walking out on stage and seeing however many people it was, eighty two thousand people, and because I didn't look at the crowd before the show, I was like, I need to just walk on stage and 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 see it. And it's a, it was f- mad. So like that, I think. Those two were two that stand out in my head. But um, but man, there's some like amazing venues around the world. There was one actually, uh, the Paramount Theatre in Long Island. And I'd done an interview there that day. And I was like, this theatre is really beautiful. Can we play it tonight? And they were like, well, we haven't got any security. We haven't got en- anything on. I was like, I'll, I'll pay for the um, security to go on. And let me tweet out to my fans. There's a free show at the Paramount. <laughs> and then we had like 2,000 2, kids to uh, turn up. And fill this theatre. And it was so good because because they didn't pay. I didn't feel any, like, pressure. Like, when I play, like, a, a stadium and people have paid, like, you know, they paid, like, a bit of money they, to They expect some like, professionalism. I, I, Is that what you're about to say, Ed? Well, no, I, you know, I, professionalism, I have to... I have to play my hits. I have to, like, yeah, put on yeah. a good... So I was just on stage and I was like, I'll play whatever I want and I'll get... And yeah. it was great. There was lots oh, of nice. there was lots of bottles of wine consumed, a set list that never ended. Me and me and the tour manager were like, we're in America, we must be able to get a gun from somewhere. Trying to get him off stage. And we we had to go to Justin Bieber's manager's wedding the following day, me and Ed. And I think we had about fifteen minutes sleep, didn't we, Ed? And it was just oh, horrific. God. Yeah, man. But I think for stuff musical stuff, I never get talked down from. It's kind of like just let you kind of do your thing. It's more like I mean, just ridiculous things that I get. Well, Stu, what's the what's the what's the most ridiculous thing you've talked me down from recently? Oh God, there's too many. Usually moving places, like just being yeah. like, oh, oh I'm going to buy like... an island here, or I've had enough. I'm, I'm me and me and Cherry are emigrating to Ghana for three years. <laughs> stuff like that. You get the odd thing like that, and you go, yes, dear. And again, it's like I said earlier, you just sort of let the idea percolate and it will kill itself eventually. Yeah, I like sent, I sent Stuart this uninhabited island in Ireland that like no one, you're not even allowed to build a house on it. And I was like, I think, I think this is a good idea. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to buy this and move here. But you can't even build it. There's literally just like a, a stone ruin on it. Yeah, but, there's, there's yeah. an expression from an old mentor of mine, Frank Presland, who's an expression that he's, he's the manager Elton John. He's like, um, let, just let the ideas wither on the vine, dear. And that's what it was. So it's like, <laughs> That's what you do. Just give them their own oxygen and they'll go away, those ones. Those <laughs> Can you tell us anything more then about, obviously you've got a new new album coming out and everything like that. As you say, it's been a while since doing anything uh, anything out there and about. Can you tell us about your process? Was it any different this time around in terms of making it? And same, same to you, Stuart, like in terms of listening to it or anything like Can that. Can I answer that first? I know what Ed's going to say. It was certainly more elongated, which, which goes back to the whole sort of um, everyone thinking, let's try hard for that one final song, which I actually... Which want. has been going on for about a year, by and, the way. It yes, usually goes on for about a month. This is where we'll have our first <laughs> argument in front of you. To my credit, <laughs> the song I still think should be the second single is still there, and that was done years ago. Um, <laughs> but it certainly there was... A, there was the, the plus side of that is that we know that we have about 50 really good songs that we'll probably Stu, use. let's do that as the second single then. I'm like, I'm not sold any, anyway. Let's just get the videos done and then, sorry, we're, we're talking shop. See, no, 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 no. Stop and start talking shop in front of you. Um, but no, but that's the thing. But yeah, certainly, yeah, certainly it's been a much longer process. And I think, to be fair, but in, I think for that thing, it's been a more detailed process where, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ed, in the past there's been songs that have been really sort of demoed and they'll just fall by the wayside. Whereas we've actually got a lot of songs that a lot of work has gone into. So there's a lot of, if the worst comes to the worst and we all die in a horrible plane crash tomorrow, some, some b- is going to get rich off releasing about 10 albums worth of really quite good stuff. So there's that plus side. But then we have to whittle down and it's the heartbreak 
and I have a whiteboard here of songs that I'm constantly wiping out and replacing with what's going to make them and the songs you forget about and songs that come back and go so that's that's a different process but you just want to make it as good as it can be yeah I mean for me the original process of the album is I had the title in my head and I was working to a brief and then the album that was being created just was not the brief like all these like songs would come out and I'd be like oh I love this but it doesn't fit on this album that I'm trying to make so I basically parked the album I was trying to make and finished this one and then we're going to finish the other one pretty much straight after the, the song the songs are all there and the songs have been there for a long time, but it's about sonically finding, like production basically, finding where stuff fits. That must be the most painful job to do because I'm bad when, do you remember when you used to make your own CDs for your car and you could only fit like 10 songs on? Well, to be fair, it's quite good, Ed, because Ed always does it and Ed will always send track listings and I'll always look at it again. great, 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 no, great, 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 great. There's always, there's always one song I don't like. There always is, there still is, I'm looking at it now. I'm not telling you. <laughs> Which one? Which one? <laughs> Hang on. Tell me which. Tell me which track number. No. Anyway, we're not. We haven't got time for this. We'll have this conversation afterwards. Is it? But is you're it right. But that's the thing. And this is what happens because everyone has. Is an it opinion. track number nine or track number ten? No, track number nine, as I have it, should be the last track. But that's another convo. Right. Oh, is it track number fourteen? Anyway. It is, isn't it? <laughs> no, not to go. I'm saying just the order's wrong. Anyway, sorry, gents. We should. No, no, no. no it's, it's it's incredible to see because I didn't actually think that there was too much of a. I was surprised that there's actually an order in which a song should be on the album. Yeah, man, I think it's very... Uh, I feel like track listing... This is, why, this is why streaming has been like a... And not so much streaming, but also like iTunes as well. It's like a hard thing to, for a musician to uh, come to terms with because I grew up listening to... I'd buy a CD and I would listen to the CD and yeah. not... There was no skips. You would just You would just listen to it. Whereas now it's very much song based but i think if you make a good enough collection of the singles so you put out so for instance on divide we put out shape of you castle on the hill happier galway girl perfect and people can listen to those five songs and be like oh i have a general idea of what the album's going to sound like let me listen to the rest of it and then people will listen to the whole album and that's why i think it's a mistake for artists and labels to sort of focus on being single artists because i think if you make a if you make a body of work it does it does get listened to as a body of work but it's just a longer process you have to make sure every song is amazing for people to actually give it the time of day yeah which we do like like and this is and i say this all the time i think this is why record labels f***ed up back in the day and people went to illegal downloading and napster and stuff like that and it's because artists took the piss with their albums they would put one good song on and then have nine filler tunes and then you, labels would charge you f 20 quid yeah. to buy it yeah, and you yeah. buy this album and be like well i f hate all the other tunes like and so i think that's that's where it came it basically was years and years of people just taking the piss and not being not being a high enough standard i think so obviously this is called a normal not normal what does what does the word normal mean to you uh boring boring uh, yeah i don't when someone when someone says something's normal or someone's normal i i instantly think that they're gonna bore the shit out of me <laughs> like i think i think i i love ex eccentricity as long as it's not like harming anyone and it's just like kooking like my favorite character harry potter was always luna lovegood like that kind of yeah, thing yeah. just like someone that dances to the beat of their own drum and like doesn't care what people think about i, I had to i spent years of high school like just being like if i stop caring what people think about me i'll be a lot happier 
um, which is I which is ironic because underneath it, I really care what people think about my my music. But I think in terms of like what's cool, the 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 thing that people say is cool is never the thing that's cool. No. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like yeah. you know when Enemy used to do like the hundred coolest people. If there was a bloke at school, and you can imagine the person that writes the list of enemy is this bloke just grown up who's like, oh, well, I'm going to decide who the coolest <laughs> yeah. And I've kept, I've kept this little list of the people that I think are the hundreds. And like, it's instantly from that moment on not cool. So even if the person on the list is actually genuinely quite cool, it's... Cooler not to be on the list. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I never was on the list. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, then, but then again, I suppose that you could say that with you just sticking to what you were doing, you've made your, your total brand of music, like the coolest, like the millions of people who've been to see your shows. There's a resonance with people there. Thank you, man. I would say, I would say that's the thing. I think, I think what I have got is broad appeal, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's cool because the cool artists are like James Blake and Bon Iver and FKA Twigs. And those, those are the people that like the, the cool kids would listen to and think are cool. And, and actually, actually my name and brand is actually synonymous with like people that don't listen to music. They don't know real music because they listen to him and, and, and stuff like that. But, so, but I've never been worried about going back to my point earlier about the guy that I knew that was pissed off about teenage girls coming to his gig because he would have preferred like a cooler crowd. <laughs> Like, my, I've never, ever wanted to be cool. I've never, you know, I've never tried to make a, like, left-of-center indie album to win a Mercury Prize. I just, like, I make the music that I really like, and I am grateful that people come and watch it. There's no, like, there's no formula to it. There's no, like, me trying trying to get the broad appeal. I just make music that I like listening to. And I think that's the, the thing. I've never, ever tried to please a fan base i've just been like right i'm gonna make something that i like you either like it or you don't and people people do like it. i think if i tried to do the cool thing people would see straight through it because i've always been a bit nerdy and weird and i think that's what originally people were were drawn to is i used to have kids i always remember uh knowing the one direction boys really well and going to their gigs and you know the, the girls would get glammed up to go to that gig and they would wear their best dress and wear their best shoes and blah 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 and then at my gigs it would just be like teenage girls in hoodies and converses and uh and i feel like that was the the separation there was like the one the, there was the quote unquote cool kids and then the quote unquote not cool like misfits i guess i'll ask this on to you Stuart. what's the most normal thing about you most normal. I just like staying at home. For someone who spends most of his time traveling the world with his job, I'm just, I'm, I'm quite a normal homebody. I've got dogs. I like watching telly. Yeah, there's a lot of traveling. There's a lot of, and I'm, you know, a lot of having to be outgoing, which I'm not naturally. His, uh, his email address is goaway at iamgrumpy.com. <laughs> <laughs> the girls in the office have banned me from making business cards with that on it. So it has to, the, the alternative works as well. But that, I insisted that that work. But I also know there has been incidences where I've given it to people and they've, they've obviously gone away and read it and thought I was being rude and I've never heard from them. Ever again. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ed, Ed, what would you say then is, is the least normal thing? I think the thing, the thing that universally, unequivocally is the thing that people cannot get their head around. And this is, this is even going to my parents and brother is these, is the, is the, ta- is the tattoos. I'm completely, completely covered in the weirdest, most colourful tattoos. And that is the thing that no one can get their head around like no there's no there's no one apart from, apart from my wife there's no one that is like they look great they look lovely everyone <laughs> everyone every, everyone said i look like a melted crayon <laughs> 
give it a few years <laughs> yeah but um so i'd say that's the thing that's like most not normal about me but i love them and i love anytime that anything random happens i just put it on my body and anytime i see like i'll just see a bit of art sometimes and just be like oh that's cool and just tattoo it on me like i, I just i think that's the thing that people find not normal yeah mm. okay and then finally, we've I do this thing called the 3 a.m. questions, which is basically quick fire, but the right answer comes when you can't sleep at 3 a.m. Stu, do you want to go first? Go on then. Okay, so it's only five on. So what is your favourite book? Uh, Captain Corelli's Mandolin. Really? Yeah. Love it. Have you read it? Have you just seen the film? I haven't seen either, but I never <laughs> knew this. Yeah, the book's amazing. You need a thesaurus to read it because every other word you can't understand what he's saying, but it's it's really cool. Oh, mate, I read Train Spotting the other day, and it's all written in um, phonetic like, glass region. Yeah, glass yeah. region. Yeah. If you think that's difficult, try Captain Corellas. Most people give up after the second page. Um, cool. I got drunk with Stuart and asked him what his favourite album was. Yeah, and I never knew. I've known Stuart for like all this time, and never. And this is the first time I'm finding out his favourite book. Although Stuart, that's a very like. It's a very posh red wine conversation yeah. of us sitting down yeah. <laughs> discussing our favourite literary... Yeah, that hasn't quite, we haven't got to that stage yet. <laughs> Just made it to album about a year ago. Your favourite film? Oh, Alien probably, or The Empire Strikes Back. Probably a Alien's the one film I could constantly watch and not get bored of. Yeah. Uh, your favourite song? Oh, I... Mm. Bad Habits. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, plug it, plug it. <laughs> Rising English... <laughs> Sing a songwriter called Bad Habits. It's probably been in the charts for about three weeks when you hear this. This is the thing. Stuart doesn't actually like my music. Well, you do like my music, but you're not like when he, if you know what Stuart's a fan of, like he's mad on Queens of the Stone Age. He's mad on Sonic. You, like, I don't fit his. Uh... I'm quite an alt rock boy. So Ed always gets yeah. upset and worried when he hears the music I listen to. He looks at me quizzically going, you don't like me. And I do. <laughs> I genuinely do. And but I don't honestly have a favorite song. I really do because it changes so much. I've never really thought about it. And, yeah. I, it's, it, and I know if I said one to you now, I'd go, bugger. I didn't mean that. Yeah. So for the record, Bad Habits, Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Very good. Um, is the one at the moment. Your favourite food? Probably cheesecake, although I should say paella. But um, probably, if there's something I'd, I'd, I'd love to not, I'd be remiss if it left my life, it would be a good old cheesecake. Good cheesecake. And your favourite quote, and it could be from, it could be like a meaningful thing, or it could literally be anything which was on The Simpsons once. Oh, no, I like, what is it? Spike Milligan's Gravestone. I told you I was ill. Yeah, so told you I was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that one. Amazing. And then, Ed, could I quickly ask you the same things? Absolutely. Is that right? So, your favourite book? I think it would be the Philip Pullman trilogy. As what, and they do it as one book. So, I think I think that, the his his Dark Materials, yeah. My, my daughter's named after the main character in it. Your favourite film? Do you know, I would say that, I, honestly, the films that I've watched the most in life are the Harry Potter films. Honestly, mm. I think so. I think those are the ones I go back to. There's a comfort in it because you grew up with them, and it's uh, you just you can put them on at anywhere, any time of the day. You can start at any point in it, and um, yeah, they're great. Would you would you say that that was kind of getting Rupert to play a fan of yours in Lego House? Was that some way connected with that, or how did how did, how did that come about? I never liked being in my music videos ever, um, and I'm only really in them now because they do tend to get more views if I'm doing something in them. But um, I uh, my whole thing for the first like four or five singles of my first album was not being in the videos. Like A-Team, I made a tiny cameo. You Need Me, I made a tiny cameo. Give Me Love, I made a tiny cameo. Um, and I always said... I'll get Rupert Grint to play me in a in a music video. And it was like impossible until 
Tom Felton, who I actually saw uh, about two weeks ago. I went out for, for, for dinner with him and his wonderful girlfriend, but he's such a great bloke. But he uh, followed me on Twitter and tweeted my video. And I remember being, he was like the first guy of with like more than, he had like 70,000 followers or something like that. And I'd only ever been tweeted by people with like 2,000 followers. So it was like a, it was a big, big thing. And um, yeah, we got, we got in touch and then we were texting from there. And then I just cheekily asked him one day, I was just like, can you speak to Rupert and see if you do the video? And he actually told me the other day that it wasn't as open shut as I thought it was. Like he really had to convince Rupert's agent that this was a... This was a good, a good thing. But man, I just like the, fi- yeah, the films are, I think it's the same with Stuart and the Star Wars films, you know, growing up with the Star Wars films and it's, Stuart will never understand why I love Phantom Menace so much, but it's because it came out when I was eight, eight years old. <laughs> even, even Jar Jar is, Binks. Yeah. He loves it all. I was eight. <laughs> I had the Jar Jar Binks toy, you know, it was like, it was culture in, in school. Ev- everyone was talking about it. Stuart's story about it is hilarious because he got a uh, a pirate video of the Phantom Menace and thought it was a fan-made Because like, it came out in America sequel. about six months before the UK and I found a VHS on my girlfriend's flat and I watched it and I thought, well, this is b****. So someone's obviously just made this fan footage. <laughs> I remember sitting in the Clapham, Clapham Pitch House on a really hot day, the Bloody air conditioning is broken, so we're all dying anyway. I just remember watching it. Five minutes is oh, f- it is the same. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what is your favourite song? It differs a lot. It depends when I'm when I'm listening to it a lot. I've been listening. Uh, my my old uh, tour manager in the states used to tour manage this guy Justin Townsell, who's like sadly passed away now. But there was a song that. He had called Mama's Eyes, which is um, one that I, I just throughout the years I've, I've listened to like a hell of a lot. But also uh, Jealous by Labyrinth is one that I always go back to. And American Pie, John McClane, I always go back to that. Uh, your favourite food? Curry or fish and chips. Yeah, I do, I, I, mate, to be honest, I eat a Nando's hot chicken wrap every day for lunch in London. Like without without fail. Sometimes two, innit, it's you? Yep. But they're yep. good. <laughs> I'm just a creature. I'm just a creature of habit with um with Nando's. But it's the same as Wagamama's, isn't it? You can't go in there and order something different. No, that's it. I don't think has, has anyone been in a Wagamama's and not ordered a chicken katsu curry? Because I know I've never exactly. not ordered a chicken katsu curry. <laughs> and then your favourite quote. Uh, I'm just looking up now. <laughs> the quote: "In seeking happiness for others, you will find it in yourself." Very good. But guys, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Really have enjoyed it. And thanks very much for all your time. Dude, thank you so much. This has been been great. And uh, actually, Stuart, I think this is the first interview we've done together. I think it is, yeah. We've certainly done interviews about each other before, but not together in the same room, have we? All the interviews that Stuart's done about me has a picture of you guys in the background. It does, they all have yeah. <laughs> Well, Stuart, Stuart, if you're lucky, we'll send you a signed picture for the background. Oh, please do. Like, we want a genuine signed picture. Oh, I'll email God. the address. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I, got, I got Stuart a signed picture, um, but uh, it was for his office and we needed to get it done in time. So my assistant just <laughs> 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 pretended. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Guys, if you could, if you could send just so Stuart can be flanked. <laughs> Guys, thank you again so, so much. No, thank you. Thank you. I've got to be honest, and I'm not just saying this. Of all the interviews we've done, that is definitely one of my favourites. Definitely. Like we said before, you know you want someone to be really cool and really nice and exactly like you. Both of them, both Stuart and Ed, 
and they were they gave they were so great with their time i think we chatted for well over an hour and a half in total so thank you so much to Stuart and ed for giving us your time up of your day to give us a chat about anything and everything we really do appreciate it and i really hope that everybody enjoys it too i'm i really enjoyed as well that he doesn't want the the cool crowd at his concerts because i think like everyone like everyone says cool people are really boring when you're around them like if you ever go to a club like a club nowadays it's just people just hanging around taking selfies of each other showing how 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 much fun they're having instead of actually having fun i think the rock clubs are always the fun places to go that's what i always felt anyway so i definitely agree with what ed was saying there I don't actually understand. We well, you know they say like you know we we're talking about obviously like the cool, like that chat. I wish I, one of us should found out who the musician he was talking about. I, I think I know who it is. I don't think he was giving that away though, was he? I've got a good I idea. Think I, but I know I who think it he is. was giving it away. Um, as, as we said, like why would you? It's like it's like you and I going to do a a Q and A and not having any response from people. Like do you know what I mean? Like no one wants that. You're there to be entertained. Enjoy yourself. But another thing what I did enjoy listening to was actually about the relationship, obviously, with Stuart and with Ed and how there's... I mean, we actually saw, didn't we, almost like a mini production meeting about which songs make the edit on the uh, on the latest album. And I thought that was really interesting to see. Definitely. And like you said, the album process, making it and how... I, said, I think I, I said in the interview how back in the day, like 10, 15 years ago, Making a CD was difficult because you could only fit maximum 20 songs on a CD to play in your car or your your Walkman or whatever it was you're listening to. So imagine being the guy like Stuart who gets sent all this amazing music and you know you've got to choose the album. But I mean, Ed's record speaks for itself. So I know everybody knows that the next album is going to be absolutely fantastic. And what I love as well is that he still lives in Suffolk, home. That is his home for him. Yeah, but I think that's the thing, though. It just goes to show what a lovely down-to-earth chap he is, and he's obviously got a good group of people around him to to keep him on that level. It made me laugh, actually, when he was talking about NME. Because yeah. he remembered... So NME, for those of you listening, it's a music magazine over here called... Uh, well, it used to be called the New Music Express. Anyway, it used to smell funny. NME. I remember that. The paper, the paper it was printed on used to stink. Anyway, <laughs> basically, if you if a band got popular, they would get hounded. Like, oh, it's not as good as their last. And after a while, like I went growing up when we were when we were younger, we used to obviously virtually live in the rock clubs all around Birmingham. And I remember someone t- explained to me the ones they were like, they're just going after the, like if something goes really popular. And I remember listening to a band once, and they were absolutely absolutely blew my mind. And they had a sec their follow up album came out, second album which was already debuting in the underground in the in the rock charts anyway very very highly and they didn't even cover it and i remember thinking to myself this is getting really really stupid now because there's only so many times that you can sit down and hang on i'm ready i'm ready because there's only so many times you can sit down and listen to someone's opinion what about music which makes no sense whatsoever because at the end of the day music is subjective it's an art form and it's entitled to your own opinion and it doesn't mean that it's right or wrong well done thank you very much and well done for using the rant bag as well but going back to it yeah helps Like I say, I love it that Ed still lives in Suffolk and is very connected with his hometown. And I love also that he's sponsoring his football team, Ipswich Town. I was thinking about that after we were speaking, I remember him saying how Castle on the Hill is about Suffolk and where he grew up. And I think that especially at the football and sporting arenas, tell me if I'm wrong, people, but when you're at your home stadium, and a song which is playing by the artist about the town that you are from or something that relates to it. It means something more. Like Birmingham have Mr. Blue Sky by ELO. Villa have Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Yeah, it, it just uh, there's something about it. And then like I know West Ham have Iron Maiden and things like that. Like it, there is something about it which is it just means 
a little bit more to those home people. So that's something that blew my mind. Yeah. One th- question, because I, I was quite excited actually when he said, when they were talking about obviously the next tour, do they bring a live band in or something like that? You know where I'm getting at with this? No. Maybe he needs, maybe he needs a percussion. No, 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 he doesn't need that. So maybe, maybe, you know, I could just, it could just be, you know, I could, I'm, I'm happy. I'm just throwing it out there. I could be there in the background, you know, with the odd, uh, you know. I don't know what song that would go into, but do you, know, do you know what I mean? Maybe, maybe that would just get the crowd going. Just stand there. Who's ready? Maybe, but anyway, we've had such a great time coming back from our break of a break. So we're going to go back on our break, but the new season of Normal Not Normal will be back later in the year. But until then, I just want to throw out a random did you know fact or two random did you know facts, if that's all right. So Ed's new single, Bad Habits, out now. Amazing video where he plays essentially a vampire. So vampire, this is, I'm trying to segue in here. Vampires are afraid of the sun, right? And sunlight. Yeah. So my two random did you know facts for the day are about the sun. Did you know the sun revolves? It doesn't just sit still. Uh, Oh, I've never thought about it, really. But it doesn't go east to west like Earth does. It goes west to east, so it goes the other way. That tricky sun. But technically, (laughs) this is where it gets really more confusing. At the top of the sun, so the the poles, it takes 35 Mm -hmm. days for it to go around. Yet in the middle, the equator, it takes 25 days to go around. Earth days, that is. How does that work? Uh, Just the speed or something. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. But that's, that's that fact. And the next one is, did you know that the sun is halfway through its life, allegedly? That's good to know. But don't worry, there's still five billion years left of sunlight, so I'm pretty sure we'll see it out. Well, that's a morbid point to finish the show on, isn't it? Well, I'm just saying, it's a great thing about that beautiful, big, bright thing in the sky. But if you're a vampire, obviously stay away from it because it's not good for you. But Ed's new single is out now where... If you get your music, an amazing video for it as well. So check it out. I'd like to say, Ed, Stuart, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yes, I would do as well. And also in terms of out now as well, don't forget if you go to represent.com forward slash normal, not normal is the normal, not normal merch, which is still going very, very well. Thank you for all your tweets, your Instagram tags with yourselves wearing the merch in some amazing places. You know, I saw a great one, right, with the rant bag in front of the Grand Canyon. I thought that was absolutely fantastic the other day. So anyway, thank you so much for your love and support, guys. We will see you a bit later in the year. Don't forget to click subscribe either on the YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss when the new season starts. Go on, be that person. Be that person. Jones. I don't know why you laugh. I don't know why you got to get that in. You have to get. You have to say that. Subscribe to my channel. But once again, thank you so much to Ed, to Stuart for their time today. Thank you so much, everyone else, for joining us. I've been Oliver Phelps. I've been James Phelps. Guys, we'll see you later on in the year. Until then, have an amazing summer or winter wherever you are in the world. Take care and goodbye. Normal Not Normal is a stable production.